Welcome to another episode of Brew Study, a podcast about the Chicago craft beer scene. Each episode will feature a different style of craft beer and bring an expert on the show to help us along the way. My guest today is Trevor Rose Hamblin, head brewer and co-founder of Old Irving Brewing Company. Later on, Trevor will teach us what we need to know about the Kolsch-style beer. Trevor, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Glad you're here. I always like to start this the show with this question. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> uh, yeah, thinking back, I don't actually know. Um, I think when I was like a really little kid, I saw the movie Twister, and I totally wanted to chase storms. I thought I wanted to be like a future Bill, which one is it, Bill Paxton, Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton, uh, and just uh, chase storms. I wanted to be a meteorologist. I liked the science of storms. Uh, I knew all my clouds when I was a little kid. Uh, so that was probably my first big dream, yeah. Cool, cool. Chaser, yeah. Ch- chasing the storms. The thrill of the hunt. Living on the edge. I want to kick the tornado's ass. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I like, I like the edginess of it, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I, I, I think I heard that, or I remember, you grew up in Michigan? I did, Michigan? yeah. I'm uh, born in Lapeer, which if you're looking at the murder mitten, it's up in the, near the thumb area, right near Flint. And then, uh, spent my childhood in Eaton Rapids, which, uh, it's a pretty small town. It's so small, in fact, that we actually had a parade when we got to McDonald's, uh, the McDonald's Day Parade. I'm just making that up. I don't know if that's what it's called, but it was a pretty big deal for us. We are like, holy crap, we're a real town. And then the rest of it was spent near Ann Arbor with a bunch of, with a bunch of yuppies, uh, doing Ann Arbor things. So cool. it was fun. Yeah. So what brought you to Chicago then after that? Uh, I've been cooking my whole life ever since I was like 14 years old. Uh, I really love cooking. I also wanted to eventually own my own business. That was a big thing. Um, I wanted to be a psychologist. I wanted to be an educator. And I just kind of sat down and thought about it one day. I'm like, what's uh, something that does all that? Oh, like owning a business is kind of all those things. So I uh, went out and uh, applied for Kendall College, uh, School of Culinary Arts, and uh, went from... uh, Michigan, just you know, humping the line at different restaurants to actually going back and getting my education. Uh, learned a lot. It was a lot of fun. Uh, worked in a restaurant here in the city for a while called Moto Restaurant. They kind of had a group of like multiple different places. It's all avant-garde style culinary. So like, you get your menu, you'd read it, and then you eat it. Uh, you might get a cigar that's in an ashtray. You just eat that shit too, <laughs> and you know, and it tastes like a Cuban pork sandwich. And we were always working on like really high crest like innovation stuff with like huge companies. Uh, I don't think I have the legal measure to say which ones, as I signed an NDA back then, but big ones. And uh, yeah, uh, and then I loved beer the whole time. Like there's something about a passion, you know. No matter how busy you are, what restaurant you work at, whatever you're doing, you find time for your passion. So I was brewing on the side. Eventually, yeah. my boss tomorrow can too. Uh, tasted, I think it was an Earl Grey tea milk stout I made that was just completely bizarre and shouldn't have worked, and it worked, and he loved it. And eventually he looked at me, he's like, you do a lot of stuff. You cook, you're my manager, you do all this stuff. What do you want to do? And I was like, I want to open a brewery. 
And that's kind of where the whole thing started. So Awesome. Yeah. So you got some of those kind of skills of like working with people and then totally. uh, the, the flavor combinations and yep, yep. kind of threw that into your work with brewing beer. That's it. Lots of parallels. So uh, I wasted all my money on culinary school, so obviously I couldn't go back to Siebel or something like I truly wanted to. There were some amazing um, uh, teachers there, but I went ahead and I just started knocking on back doors to my favorite breweries, you know went up to Pipeworks, like, hey, I'll help you guys bottle, just teach me stuff. And then that led me all the way out to Scotland. I apprenticed out there for three months with some brewers out there after having done a show with them called uh, Brew Dogs. And uh, that was uh, Martin and James of uh, Brew Dog traveling around the United States, kind of making all these beers for different towns. We made a green beer, not using any green dye, uh, made in a green way. Uh, with cyst- like these like crazy uh, I don't know how to call them, like almost windmills on a roof in Chicago because the windy city of course there's Scottish they didn't know that it's not really that windy uh, <laughs> you know this is a name because of our politicians and I had to tell them that on the roof while they're setting up I'm like you guys know you're not going to get much wind up here As, uh, so yeah uh, the magic of TV though it was a windy ass day and uh, and then we made it green with like a chlorophyll extract that I made in the moto lab and a jalapeno distillate that gave us green flavor and it was a gross beer anyway eventually i became friends with the executive producer and he got me in good with them and i went out and stayed in bull mccassie house in oh. scotland and uh ended up uh apprenticing with them for three months learned a bunch dope experience came back opened up a brewery and then from there the real hard lessons started so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so was that the the whatever you said the house was that the brew well, pub? Uh, no, that's just uh, it was a B and B down the road from Brew Dog. Okay, okay. That they put you up in a couple of days before you have to go into whatever low income housing I was paying for while I was there. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, an interesting way of how you got your start. Yeah. Um. And so so now you're here yes. at Old Irving. Yes. Um. You have some some interesting news and exciting news for your family. Yes, my wife is pregnant. We're due in April, in April uh, 20 the 3rd. And did I say 20 the 3rd? 23rd. <laughs> and still in uh, your fancy accent. And, that's right. And uh, yeah, man, we're pumped. Uh, yeah, we found out in August. It was actually during our anniversary. It was our anniversary weekend. We were going to go out and have a bunch of brunch and binge drink all day. And she's like, wait, because we were trying it. She's like, wait, let me take one more pregnancy test before we completely wreck ourselves. <laughs> and she went in and she was pregnant. And I was like, okay, that changes the style of the day. Yeah. A lot of non-alcoholic cocktails that day, but a lot of cheers and crying and being really excited for our son. And they're both healthy right now. And uh, everything seems to be going uh, to order. But, you know, keeping our fingers crossed. Uh, have a healthy pregnancy and uh, make sure that our little boy comes out just fine. Sure. Congratulations. Thank you so much. We're pumped. So uh, what are you most looking forward to about fatherhood then? Uh, I don't know. I guess I just want to make a woke-ass kid. Like, that's my biggest deal. Like, I I was really, I think my wife really wanted a girl, and I want whatever my wife wants, so I was also hoping for a girl. And now that it's a boy, I'm like, oh, man, this is really important that he knows that He's coming into a world that needs a lot of help. It's a sick and it's, it's an injured world. And he's a, he's a white male coming into this world. And I want to make sure he, he checks his shit at the door and comes in. I want him to be humble. I want him to be good. And I just want to make sure that he's a, he's just a good kid. I just want him to be a good man. So, yeah. That is just music to my ears, yeah, Trevor. Absolutely. I mean, in the, in the, during these times, yeah. you know, it's real important. Hell yeah. Um, so now you're at Old Irving. You're the co-founder. Yeah. Give me kind of like the elevator pitch 
of Old Irving? You know, like, sure. what are you guys known for? What's yeah. cool about Old Irving? Why should people come here and check it out? You know, I think it comes down to uh, the elements at the end of the day. 8,500 square foot brew pub located in the Old Irving Park neighborhood. We're kind of that perfect point between uh, downtown and the suburbs. If you're scared of downtown, come here. If you're from the suburbs for kind of a more city experience, if you're from downtown and want a quick break and kind of feel a little bit of that suburban experience without having to go outside the city, we're also here for that. Uh, it's a, really a focus on um, service, food, drink, and uh, and that kind of, that's what it comes down to. Our food is, you know, it's all wood-fired uh, meats and eats. We've got uh, a baker in-house that makes all of our bread. We're focused on high-quality product. Uh, making sure that we're, we also know that, you know, life's expensive, so we don't try to hold anybody over the flames for anything we make here. Uh, we've hired the best people in all these places, so we have a really good cocktail program for those people who don't drink beer. If you do decide to drink beer, I pour over this shit. Uh, it is my life's work to make the best beer I can possibly make while I still have breath in my lungs. So, uh, and we also won some awards this year, so uh, we make have award-winning beer. So we're just trying to have make sure that everything is of the utmost and highest quality. That dedication definitely comes out in the beers when you taste them. Appreciate it, yeah. Um, One other cool thing that I know and I love about you guys is you you actually were presented a Partners in Prevention Award. Yeah. um, For your work brewing with Hope for the Day. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Of course. Uh, So I kind of have always struggled with uh, depression and anxiety and things like that. My mother was bipolar um growing up and then of course you know being from a small town you know uh small town small minds a lot of mentally people that maybe aren't you know uh too open to admitting to a lot of maybe things that are actually you know clinical uh things that they could be diagnosed with and and so i kind of grew up in a world that was without psychology for a long time and then i think when i was like in high school i started going to therapy out of necessity for all my anxiety and stuff and that's when I really started getting in tune with it and I'd been in and out of mental hospitals I had tried to complete a suicide multiple times I, I, I was it was a really rough time in my life and now that I've grown up a little bit and and I started getting my stuff together I, I really didn't want anybody to feel like that it's just a terrible feeling and uh, right before we opened our doors the guy who I worked with at Moto Hamaro Cantu uh, completed a suicide and you know I, I thought that. I, I thought I was I thought I was tuned in. I thought I could really read people. I've been in this industry forever, and and right next to me was someone that was suffering and hurting so bad, and I just had no idea. And then and then to have that shock go over me, I I really made it my my life's mission that whatever my uh, whatever is going to be the thing that I do with my life, I, I need a piece of that focus. I wanted to use the tools of my station in this life to help people, and that's kind of where I decided to put a lot of that. So. Um, it was kind of funny. Hope for the day, I, I went out and I was going to one of their events, and I donated a bunch of beer to it because I, I heard about what they're about. It was dark matter and these guys, and I they were just so cool. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna donate a, some beer to these guys, and I'm, I'm gonna go to this event uh, because I do be- believe in uh, uh, suicide prevention and awareness. I get in there and I'm just like a kid, you know, crying immediately. I, I see this sign. It says it's okay not to be okay. I'd never read anything so powerful my whole life, and it was so simple and so like so powerful. And I was like, you know what? I don't know who these guys are, but they're amazing. Fast forward a little bit of time, they end up coming into the pub. Their offices moved right down the street from us, and I come up and I shake uh, Mike Vinopal's hand and and Johnny Boucher, uh, and they, I, I'm like, you know, 
I don't know if you guys know who I am. I'm Trevor Rose Hamlet. Like, oh, yeah, we know who you are. Like, they'd already heard about me because of everything that happened. I was already kind of doing my own independent work, uh, trying to help out with a lot of stuff that happened after Omar was gone. And then they kind of put, you know, the name to the message, and I'm, I'm all in now. So now I'm on the lead educator for the uh, the, the uh, service industry uh, with Hope for the Day. So I go around, and I kind of do education for different businesses. I come in, and I educate staff. Right now we're doing... In 2020, we're working on a program right now, which is 86 to Silence, which is a, a whole effort in trying to, um, you know, bring resources and and education to our industry, which, you know, a lot, of, I, I kind of call us the island of misfit toys. Uh, it's all my brothers and sisters who maybe come from areas uh, of hurt people. So we all kind of, you know, congregate in the service industry. So we're all very similar we all have, you know, uh, mental struggles and, and psychological struggles, and this is just a way to let them know we're not alone. And let's let, let's usher in a new generation of people who are willing to talk about that uh, and start destigmatizing the conversation about mental health. Absolutely, it's big. So, yeah, obviously, I'm passionate. I love I love I love them a lot. So uh, I can't wait to see what else we do. But well, it's, yeah. they're already huge, but we're going to get even bigger. And the bigger we are, the more the message gets across. So, yeah. The things that you're talking about right now are mm. so important and yeah. prevalent. Yeah. And for you to use your platform yeah. to advance yeah. some of those programs and ideals is so, just amazing out of this yeah. world. Add it to the list of reasons I love coming <laughs> here. Well, thanks. So glad you came on my show today. Appreciate it. Um, you also recently won another award, in a sense, a gold yeah. medal yeah. at the um, Great American Beer Festival for yep, your yep. Beezer. Yep. And I did a little research. There was almost 400 entries yeah. in that category yeah. that you came out number one. Yeah, it was so bizarre. I mean, what, what was that <laughs> like? Going Fucking, into it and oh my God. being it, there? I'll be honest. When we went, I, I entered four beers. We... We didn't enter last year. We entered in uh, 2017. Uh, I entered four beers that year. We didn't win anything. I didn't expect to win anything. I mean, I was a brand new brewer, but I wanted the experience of going out to the Great American Beer Festival. I mean, it's like, you know, the biggest, one of the biggest, you know, uh, festivals in America. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest. And I, I just wanted to see it, you know. And it was my first time of being like, hell yeah, I'm a brewer. I get to go to these cool events. And, you know, we did. We sat up in the back in 2017, didn't win anything. That was okay. We still got drunk got high and rode around and you know uh, really did denver right and got to meet a lot of industry professionals and so cool and then last year we didn't go we were just kind of getting uh into distribution so we didn't really have the time and then this year you know my guys in the brew house there's three of us in total at this point making all this beer i just wanted to show them cool stuff and i want to take my you know uh britney who is uh in, in charge of uh, kind of our, our beer representation out on the market i just want to take them to let them know i appreciate them so you know, I, I put forth some of my own money because we don't have a ton of cash for these kinds of marketing events. And, I, you know, they all kind of got their own hotel room. And so we sat in the back of the, the, the thing, you know. We, we sat in the back of the auditorium. We were just trying to hang out and chill. And then, um, you know, we had the, the IPA and the New England IPA are the last to be announced because they're the biggest categories. So we sat there through the whole freaking thing, you know, and... I mean, one of my favorite parts is watching Beguile win for their Imperial, uh, for their Barrel Age Imperial style, the Imperial pajamas. Watching Kevin win, I was like, I, that was as good as me winning. I, I freaking got up and I was so freaking stoked to see them take some, uh, light the lamp, our friends at Pollyanna, uh, of course, um, you know, you got our, our guys at Off Color. I mean, there's lots of name, but 
Chicago seemed to be cleaning up, and I was just, I was so stoked for everybody, and I was actually live Instagramming on our story about all these cats winning on OIB's personal story, because I just wanted to be, OIB to just be part of, like, celebrating Chicago craft beer, and then it gets to the end, I'm literally packing up my coat, and they're announcing the hazies, and, like, three goes up, two goes up, I'm like, that's it, so I'm, I'm putting on my coat, and all of a sudden, they say Old Irving Brewing Beezer, and I, 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 like, I'll start crying if I start talking about it again. But I, I, I don't even know what happened. Like, time and space went away. And I, like, just, like, I just, the last thing I remember is Tim, my assistant brewer, and his stupid ass, like, screams. It's so funny. Uh, he just was, like, freaking out. And I was, like, in disbelief the whole way up. I'm like, did this just happen? And then yeah, I got to uh, bump nuts with Charlie Papazian. And then, uh, yeah, after that, I, I needed a moment. So I just kind of went into a corner and just kind of processed the amount of joy and kind of sadness too just because it was like not sadness but just like pure like figuring out that you're doing something that you're supposed to be doing is like one of the coolest moments and that moment i just realized i was like this is what i'm supposed to be doing you know so it was so cool and then uh and then i realized that it's the most bullshit award ever because and not that the award itself is bullshit but it's the most adult award you'll ever win because from then on you're just the busiest person on the planet it's like hey you want an award guess what you get more work oh do i get a bunch more money nope you're just gonna work a bunch more uh eventually you will but like for now you're just gonna work your ass off so ever since we've just been trying to keep up with beezer but no i, I was very honored and it was so cool that uh that people dug it you know so yeah. that, that feeling that you described kind of sounds like how i felt when you tried my beer at my oh. first contest entry it was delicious. And said, there's nothing wrong with this beer. Oh, yeah. I- I'm such a beer nerd, but that yeah. was just And like, I didn't even know it was your beer. liked my beer. A little bit of history. Uh, we knew each other before this, and I didn't even know she was entering into that competition. And then I get to taste this beer completely blind. It ends up being yours. It's like, holy shit, that was your beer? Fuck yeah. I get to give an award to someone I like. Yeah, no, it, that beer was delicious. You, oh, everything you put up that day was glorious. That, that was, was awesome. so fun. Yeah. I, see, I, I see what you love about this. I mean, the so community the competition the creativity that you get to put into it um so you kind of mentioned being super busy Uh i I remember when you guys got your canning line now you've got an expansion coming yeah like what's the deal with that so we kind of realized pretty quick that we weren't going to be able to keep up with bees or production so immediately uh we kind of luckily uh the coolest thing about this whole thing is that two years in a row uh chicago has taken gold and hazy which is crazy i mean What's even crazier is that they happen to be two miles away and some of my like best brewing buddies in the city, Alarmist Brewing with Leju. So uh, I was able to kind of like riff with Gary Gully and and uh, Aaron and Ethan and all those guys over there, Chris, I wouldn't forget Chris, uh, and like asked them about how it went afterwards and they kind of told me like this is what's going to happen next. And so the first thing they did, they have a very similar brew system, uh, they went right into 60s. Uh, so uh, we have a 15 barrel brew house. We just bought two new 60-barrel fermenters. We're doing some serious brewery Jenga. I told uh, my business partner, Jeff, I was like, if we're going to do all this, we're going to have to, we need more storage space to make this happen. And we were kind of at a crossroads, like, do we want to go with contract brewing? Do we want to, like, have someone else brew this for us so we can do more stuff? And then we kind of decided, like, no, nah, let's, like, let's grow this business. Let's see how far we can take it before we pull the oh shit button. So uh, we went ahead, and there happened to be 1,200 square foot next door that uh, our landlord was willing to develop for us um and so we went for it and yeah we got uh, 1200 extra square foot of space to put storage cans kegs etc we had the two to the 260s are in route right now and so by uh in the next two weeks we'll have two brand new 60s to passivate 
and get ready for brewing and then we'll probably be brewing them in three weeks so yeah we are wasting no time yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So our, our listeners are familiar with the Hazy IPA. That was one of the first oh, episodes. Yeah. Um, and I Was, was that f- one with Roger? It was, yes. He's a lovely human being. Yes, he is. Roger. He's yeah. the best. Um, I was with a friend today, and she was like, why is Chicago the leader in Hazy IPAs if, yeah. they're, if they're New England by name? Sure. Yeah, what, what do you think, Trevor? What do you uh, think? I think for me, I think that... Chicago is a leader in, in the craft beer market in general because I think a lot of people have a rich kind of like big history of craft beer. Uh, the big, you know, the big ones, Portland, you know, Denver, all those places that have just had craft Michigan who have had craft beer for so long uh, that and it was kind of a slow and steady growth. And I think Chicago grew all fast at once. And I think all of us collectively were like, holy crap, you know, we're growing so quick that we quickly latched onto each other. Plus, you know, Midwesterners are friendly. So I think it really comes down to the sense of community and being able to share the, the, that, that sense of community. I mean, Chicagoans, we stick together. And I think that for a lot of me and my uh, brewer buddies, I mean, we share information all the time. We're always telling each other what's up, what's the newest thing we learn. We're excited about it. We're not afraid to ask questions because we know we won't ever be shunned by each other. Uh, we always want to take each other and try to build them up because we want to be the best we want we want chicago to be a place that uh, is a destination for craft beer drinkers throughout the world so i think it has to do with community um on a scientific level uh lake michigan water is great for ipas i think it has a lot to do with uh, the quality of water that we get um i also yeah but mainly community cool yeah, yeah. The, the networking bouncing ideas off 100%. each other you can yeah. always get the best and mm-hmm. make it better and we had smart people as like if you're talking about like building up that kind of like fortress of haze you know you got you got a lot of people who kind of paved that way for us and roger was definitely one of the first guys to do it and do it well um you know our our, our uh the guys from hot butcher definitely uh paved the way back in the day at ram um you know um yeah man these guys kind of all paved the way sean burns of more and now a phase three really paved the way for these hazies and so you got you know you also have a lot of stiff competition these cats are putting out like just great hazies and you know for all intents and purposes you know those guys are making hazes that people want more they're highly rated on untapped and things like that i happen to make a hazy ipa that went really well for judges and is also a crowd pleaser so you know um you know these guys really paved the way oh and then of course um forbidden root they did a big big they paved the path so yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Um, so one more question about Old Irving. Yeah. I, I, you know, you could look on Instagram, on the, on your photos on the website, whatever. Yep, yep. And I see you in a full German getup for yeah. Oktoberfest. Lederhosen. You guys get yeah. the, the New Year's releases and totally. St. Patrick's Day. You've got stuff going on. Uh-huh. What is your favorite day at Old Irving? Oh, geez. If you had to pick. If I had to pick a favorite day. Um... That's a very, very good question. I, I like I like all of our celebratory moments. I would say my favorites are kind of a toss-up between a couple. Uh, one, our Hops for Hope day is probably way up there, mm-hmm. uh, probably number one. That one is a day that we get to celebrate, um, you know, uh, uh, being active members in suicide prevention and awareness. Uh, we release uh, the uh, Hops for Hope beer, which is a, a hazy, um, you know, uh, 
some some of the proceeds go to uh, Hope for the Day, and then we distribute it to partners who want to be part of the conversation. We do education training, so it's kind of a perfect platform for that. So I love that day, and it's a big ass beer fest. So all of my friends uh, from all the different breweries in the city who are, are also a part of that message all come. They donate beer. They get and we set up collaborations. It's just an awesome day, and you know what's funny is like during that festival, I feel like yeah, we a lot of people are talking about beer, but I had so many guests come up to me and so many other brewers come up to me and talk to me about just stuff. Like they were opening up and they were they were being real and they were having conversations about their mental health and about people they were worried about and how do I get resources and that was really cool. Uh, and then it's just, you know, I also get to drink with my friends, which is always great. And then um, I love Oktoberfest because I'm a lager boy. I love lagers. Uh, I love drinking them. I like making them. Um, my old assistant brewer, uh, Andreas Biller, who is now at Great Central, really got me turned on to them. He's uh, German-born and uh, in Bavaria, and he makes just ridiculously good German beer. And so I think organically we kind of ended up being part traditional locker brewery by accident. So we're like, oh, yeah, we do crazy hazies. We do, like, really crazy, like, you know, barely shots. And then we also do some classic German lagers. Well, yeah, <laughs> like, you need a variety. You got to do it. A good mix in there. Um, so I love, I love Oktoberfest. I do like dressing up. I've always liked Halloween and stuff. So I love getting – I'll dress you up in my lederhosen and, and you know, uh, pretending I'm someone else for a day. And then, uh, and then I actually really like St. Patrick's Day. There's always a good vibe. It's always like, all right, winter's gone. Uh, we're going into spring. Uh, everyone's jolly. We play Irish music. It's it's always fun. We're in a very Irish neighborhood. Whether people know it or not, the Irish American Heritage Center is right down the road. Yes. So these people around here, like every single person in this neighborhood, like their kids are in like step classes, like Irish Irish step classes. It's wow. a big part of the community. And so, yeah, we actually have Irish step dancers come in. They dance, and we have, you know, Irish food specials. And I get to put out Lucky Linny, which is actually named after my business partner, Jeff Littemeyer, which was his name in, uh, for uh, when he was playing college basketball because uh, I, I guess he was real lucky. I guess he wasn't actually good at basketball. He was just really lucky. Uh, it also Throw just it started, up and yeah, hope for the best. But it's an Irish red that I brewed because they made me dye Della Green our first year at Kolsch, and I was like, uh... I'm not dying my beer green ever again. I'll make you an Irish red. And it ended up turning, turning out really good, so <laughs> I make it every year. Awesome. Yep. Well, speaking of the Kolsch, I did invite you on the show today to talk to us about the Kolsch. Yeah. I, I think this came from you, but uh -huh. somebody taught me that you can judge a brewery by their Kolsch. Totally. If they do a good Kolsch, yeah. they might know how to do some other good beers. Totally. Uh, when I was in culinary school, uh, the, there were certain chefs back in the day that would uh, make you make a French omelet before you were ever allowed to step in their kitchen. Very simple preparation. You whip some eggs, uh, you fold it uh, twice uh, into like kind of a little envelope. There can be no browning and it has to be absolutely perfect. If you can make a perfect omelet, you know how to cook an egg. I guarantee you can do the harder stuff too. It's very delicate. There's nothing to hide behind. Yeah. All the little brown spots really stick out. I think there's a real parallel there to Kolsch. Or any kind of Pilsner or lager. Okay. Because you're using minimal ingredients. I think I use two malts in the whole thing. It's Pilsner and Vienna. I use some hops, but none of them are particularly big and explosive. It's some German noble hops. Mm -hmm. And then it's technique. Yeah. And that's it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's a very good way to judge a brewery. So, when when people come in and they're looking at the menu and they see Kolsch, uh -huh. and they're wondering, should I get this? Should I not? What is it? 
what can they expect? What will what, when they get a coal poured right in front of them? What will they? What will it look like? What will it smell like? What can they expect to taste? Sure. When you're ordering a Kolsch, uh, first and foremost, there's different places that do it uh, different ways, which is not great. So to like really understand the Kolsch, you kind of have to understand the history. I hope I'm not jumping ahead too far, am I? No, All go right, cool, for cool, cool. it. So uh, Kolsch originates uh, from Cologne, Germany. Um, the whole rule there is that in order to brew Kolsch, you must see the Dom, uh, D-O-M, uh, which is just German for cathedral. Uh, it's, it's basically their church, right? So if you can see the cathedral, the dome, uh, in Kolm, then you can make Kolsch. If you cannot see it, you do not make Kolsch, you are not Kolsch. So, uh, really what I'm making is a Kolsch style beer. Okay. Uh, it is not true Kolsch. So in Germany, what they'll do is they brew it. Uh, it's going to be very light. It's going to be simple malts. It's going to be uh, a little bit crisp. It's going to be refreshing and it should be very, very sessionable. Uh, in Germany, they'll actually have these trays that they bring out. Uh, they almost look like, if you know what a Tom Collins glass is, uh, kind of like a longer cylindrical style glass, no lip on it or anything. It's just very straight on the sides. Um, lower amount of ounces, I want to say it's like a 10 ounce glass. They bring it out on a tray and they just keep bringing them. They bring them until you tell them to stop. Uh, the reason they serve them in a smaller portion is because they want it to stay cold and they okay. want you to drink it fast. So you drink these little tiny glasses until you feel you've had your fill, um, and then you're done. Um, so um, there's not a lot of people doing the traditional style. I really wanted to get it going here uh, with that type of service, but with how busy we are and uh, staffing's a thing, and we also do serve food, it would be really hard to do that style of service. So we never uh, implemented it here, but you can find that style of service of Kolsch at Dovetail. They recently got all the cool Kolsch glasses and the Kolsch trays, so if you want a taste of super traditional Kolsch. That's a good place to do if you want the old school service. Now, at our place, what I've done is I've taken the water profile because um, if you want a sense of place of German beer, you really have to have the water profile dialed in. So I kind of looked at the German style water profile. Uh, Chicago's not far off. Chicago's water profile, all of our water comes in from Lake Michigan. It's really close. Uh, so we do make great lagers in the city, Metropolitan, Dovetail being oh, yeah. perfect examples. It's also very good for IPAs, um, which I think is also part of the secret sauce of the New Englands. Uh, and IPAs in general. I mean, Rev and all these other guys just pumping out great IPAs every day. There must be something to it. So uh, I start off by trying to mimic as close as I can without any kind of reverse osmosis or anything the water profile. Um, so what we end up with is a nice base for the beer. I mash low, which to mash is to basically mix the grain and the water together uh, to, to, to uh, basically have the starches in the grain uh, become fermentable sugars. Um, and so when you mash lower like that, it makes more readily available sugars for the yeast to eat. They're going to eat more of them. So you're going to have like a really nice dry beer. Uh, red, uh, this beer is better for you than any of our IPAs right now. It's less sugar. Uh, it's less calories, it's less alcohol, uh, so you can also have them in succession. So uh, keep that in mind when you're drinking them. Uh, you're generally going to have kind of like this straw yellow to like very light gold um, appearance. Uh, it should be bright. If you got a hazy Kolsch, I mean, drink it if you want to. It's still a beer, but it shouldn't be that way. Uh, you're looking for crystal clear. You should be able to see your fingers. You should be able to read the newspaper through it. Um, on the top, you're looking to, I don't know, an inch and a half to... An inch of uh, really nice white fluffy foam 
Uh, you can request when you buy it to have them pour it super foamy and let that head fall and then pour the rest on it. Um, it's not easy to articulate that, but if you want a proper Pilsner or Kolsch pour, uh, this is the way to do it. I learned this at Bierstadt in, uh, in Denver when I was out there for GABF. These guys um, do this, uh, what they call slow pour, and they actually pour the first pour and it's all foam in the glass. They oh, let wow. it settle out to half, then they pour it again, and I think they might even do a third pour there. What you're left with is this like beautiful meringue uh, head on it, and what that does is our, our gateway to aroma in beer is through uh, CO2 coming out of the liquid and hitting your nose. And so seeing as the nose is like a big part of tasting, your olfactory responses are a big pl uh, part of flavor, you want that big, nice, fluffy head. And then for the texture, it blows some of that CO2 out so it's less gas going into your body. You'll burp less. Uh, and it'll be it'll go down a little bit creamy and more beautiful. Um, I, that's the way I like to drink my Kolsch. So you expect it to be crispy. You're gonna have like a noble hop kind of flavor to it. So expect some like pepper, like, like almost like not like not like quite black pepper, but almost like white pepper kind of spiciness on the back end. Um, it should go down super clean and easy. Mine, I use a little bit of a more modern hop called Haller Tower Blanc. This has got some melon characteristics, so it gives you a little bit of fruitiness, but I really still want that kind of spicy characteristic on the back of your palate. And just when you're finishing, yeah, it'll come and then it'll go, and you're going to want to go back for another drink. That's how you know Kolsch. It's our answer to not carrying light beer or any adjunct-style macro beer here. Sure. So We're, it's the lightest you know, beer on your menu. By far. But it still have the flavor nuances That's of it. a craft beer. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Outstanding. So. Cool. So do you have any um, Kolsch-style beers that were an inspiration for you or sure. um, any favorites that you totally. can share? Totally. So uh, from actual Cologne, Germany, I like Reisdorf. Uh, Kolsch is really lovely. Um, I think it, it, it's kind of a perfect uh, representation uh, of Kolsch. I would also say that um, Dovetail's Kolsch is fantastic. Uh, and then uh, the Crankshaft Kolsch from Metropolitan as a local one is great. And then uh, Beguile does uh, does a really nice uh, the boat shoes Kolsch. I also really like as a as a, uh, as a as a local favorite. Yeah. Nice, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think they're all good. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. Thank you for your courage, your honesty, yeah, yeah, your probably. knowledge, yeah. sharing with us. Sure. And just being so personable and awesome to hang out with. Totally, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, I like to end each show with a toast. All right, good. So we have a couple beers here in front of us. We. Oui. May we always be who our dogs think we are. <laughs> totally. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.